generation. You, you know, you, you look at history and you take history uh, in school and you see all these people that did all these different things. It was their turn. Now it's our turn. And as we step up, so to speak, to the plate and take our swings, it is time for us to swing towards the fence and not just kind of try to make contact. You know what I mean? When you understand that who's holding your ladder is the creator of the universe, all of a sudden that can give you confidence to continue to go on. Did this mic go off? Everybody with me? Good. Turning your Bibles to the book of Judges. This, this is what we're going to speak on today. And it's a story of a man that looks like he's intimidated. He, he's hiding from the enemy because the enemy is great. This morning I'm not saying that your enemy is not someone that can intimidate. I'm just saying that you do not have to fear or accept the intimidation that's coming over your life. This man is named Gideon. And Gideon is a man that is, is a powerful man, but he just doesn't know it. He's been hearing the enemy speak over his life, and he's hiding, and an angel shows up and speaks into his life who he is. You're the mighty man of God. And all of a sudden Gideon says, who, me? And there's people here this morning that need to hear this. You're a mighty man of God. And if you're a woman, you're a mighty woman of God. This morning, in a few minutes, you're going to leave this place. And you're going to be armed with a purpose to take it to the people that live with you and around you. That work with you all week. So this morning, listen with that intent of being able to say this again in a different way, in your way, to someone in encouragement. The Bible says it this way. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. These were people that would come up and steal everything from the Israelites that they could and left nothing for them. Some of you feel like that, that the enemy has stolen from you and there's not a whole lot left. And I know that that can become a point of discouragement. And after a while, if you're not careful, that is all you can see. And then you begin to predict that's going to happen next year and the next year because that's, that's my lot in life. Well, I'm telling you, it's not your lot in life. So this is what's happening to the Israelites. But it says, at night, during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up. I love that action. Go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. I'm going to give you the enemy. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. Then the Midianites, the Amalites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley. They were as thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. How many knows that's a lot of camels? Verse 13 says, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Mennonites' camp. 
it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Now, now if you didn't know what just happened here, the enemy has come and set up camp to attack the Israelites, the people of God. Everybody with me so far? The enemy is going to get up in the morning and come against Gideon and wipe out everything, just like they've done in the past. It's a predictable experience up to this point. But God says, no, 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 you're the mighty man of God that's going to deliver my people. And Gideon, now watch, has been given a promise to go and defeat the enemy. The Bible says that at night, he says, go down and listen. We just read, he listens to one of the soldiers in the enemy camp going, oh no, I had a dream and Gideon is going to come down and destroy us. Now, a lot of people can get a promise from God and they can work it where it doesn't apply to me. That's not me. That's not me. Have you ever watched Andy Griffith? Gwen and I are kind of on an Andy Griffith kick and Barney Five was one of those guys. Now, some of you younger people are going, they never know what Barney, huh, huh? It was a character in a TV show that he'd be like, well, I guess God wasn't speaking tonight because he was talking about some barley loaf and not me. You know what I mean? So so what I'm saying is when you hear the Word of God begin to speak to you, some people have a tendency to begin to go, well, that's not for me. That's not for me. Allow the Word of God to be real to you. Gideon begins to hear this and he begins to see something take place. All of us love promises when we read the Word of God. The promises in the Word of God are things like this. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, this is a whole other story. But remember, Joshua is about ready to go and take the land, the promise that was given the people of God. And the Bible says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that exciting? We could quote that over and over and just feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Boy, I love promises. But what is he going to do with it? The next one I want to read is in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This is one that we quote. This is a promise. This is a warm, oh man, warm and fuzzy, man. I love it. It's warm as a Pop-Tart, man. I just, whoop! For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hallelujah, we could just dance to that promise all day long. Get excited about that one. Here's another one, Jeremiah, I mean, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do all things. That's different than, well, I can do some things through God. I can do everything through God who gives me strength. Nobody got excited about that one like I did. I get excited about that promise of God. When I enter something new and I go, I don't don't know if I... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's another one. One of my favorites. Years ago as a new pastor, a young pastor, this was on my letterhead. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could even imagine, even though even more than we could even ask or think. Let me say it in this version. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, you can't even measure it, do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according, listen, according to his power that is at work within us. The Holy Spirit working in us. Here's the story. Gideon heard the promise, but there was no way to convince him that it was true. In his own reasoning, he began to think, how in the world can these 300 soldiers, and if you don't know the story, I encourage you to go back and judges and read it. God narrows his army down from thousands to 300 men to go against the enemy. So now he's hearing this uh, rumor, this, this confession out of an enemy soldier's life that he's having a dream that God's going to give the enemy into Gideon's hands. But Gideon still goes. Before that, he says, how can 300 men attack and defeat this army so great that you can't even count their camels? It just isn't going to make sense to me. Therefore, I will not be able to walk by faith. I'm just walking by my sight. Now, let me just say this. God's promises are not automatically self-fulfilling all the time. There has to be action on your part. Let me say this. We talk about having a renewed mind in how the Word of God changes our thinking and then it'll change our destiny. But remember this, that renewing your mind doesn't always just talk about you going to heaven or requiring you to go to It is how much heaven you want here on this earth. We know that the cross, at the cross, the thief on the cross repented and Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise. We believe that he's in paradise, in heaven. He was forgiven of his sins, therefore he's going to spend eternity in heaven. But here's what we know. That he didn't experience heaven on this earth. He was a thief. For you and I, when the Word of God begins to get inside of us and we begin to walk by faith, it's amazing how the Word of God changes our thinking. We begin to live in a world that most people go, you're, you're crazy. They don't get that we're walking by faith in God's Word and not on our own understanding. God gave the children of Israel the promise of the land. It's going to be a prosperous land. It's a good land. It's going to be a land. Let me, let me describe it. It's flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it is, it's got it going on. But what would they do with it? The Bible says that they did not choose to go in and conquer it. And then in the New Testament it says because they didn't go in, they didn't mix the Word of God with faith. Does that mean that God's not faithful? It says no. It says just because they did not walk by faith, they did not take the Word of God, it says let God be true and every man a liar. I, I've, I love preaching that message that I've done many times on that. Is every time that we choose to walk by faith in the Word of God and not our own understanding, what we're doing is we're allowing God to be true. We're allowing Him to prove Himself what He's given us in the promise of the Word of God. Now, 
Just because you run across a promise in the Word of God doesn't mean it will naturally come to manifestation in your life. There's something that has to happen to provoke your faith. To be armed with a purpose. Let me define a biblical promise. This is what I would define a biblical promise. A declaration of God's love intentions. Wow, Pastor John, that's pretty good. Thank you. Let me say it again. A declaration of God's love intentions. As a father, I give my I, I can give a promise to my own children. I'm going to buy you a car. And they go, Yay! And I say, here's the keys. And they catch it and they go, Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in the driveway because I don't think I'm good enough for it. Or I, I don't believe that you really love me enough, or I'm not good at whatever it is, until they take action and appropriate that promise, that that gift, they, they do not allow it to manifest as their car. Everybody with me on that? A lot of times, we as believers and children of God, we hear the promises of God, we go, ah, that's just too good to be true for me. You know, in, in this story, when, when I'm preparing this message, here's again, when we're talking about who's holding your ladder, God is so good that He begins to paint a picture for Gideon. And He says it this way, if you are afraid to attack, listen, some of us this morning will say, you know what, I just don't know. I, I don't know if I can go on to that thing that I'm believing for in my life. And, and you can fill in the blank of what God is dealing with you in your life. But he's so good that he begins to paint that picture for Gideon. He says, if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. If you think I'm lying, Gideon, if you don't think I'm capable of keeping my promise, let me paint you a picture. Now, now church, let me tell you this. That God is not a lake inside of you. He's a river wanting to flow out of you. We've sang that song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing. It doesn't say I've got a, a lake flowing within me. Yeah. Everybody be like, what? But the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us, we begin to see things that would never happen unless we stepped out by faith. And this is what Gideon is having a problem with until God paints this picture. Listen to this. Write this down. When we dream with God, we become the masterpieces of His imagination. This morning, I'm going to encourage you and give you permission this week to have dream breaks. It's awful quiet in this church.
When we allow God to lift the lid off of our imagination, when we have time, when we just get away, you know what I mean? There's, there's always an excuse why we can't do this. Just cut through all the malarkey and all the excuses and go, you know what? I'm going to have a time when I'm just getting alone and I'm going to allow God to speak into my life and I'm going to come up to another level of imagination of what God can do in and through me. And what's so fun about this is God begins to speak into your life and you go, God, <laughs> that is great. But do you know me? And then we just begin to dare to believe. I know with Gwen, I begin to share with her what God's putting on my heart. And she's like, because I'm very verbal. And, and when I speak, I begin to hear. You know, sometimes I preach myself happy even when I'm not up in front of the church. And, and I begin to speak and I begin to hear and I go, that's pretty good stuff there. Hey, hey. Have a dream break. Let, let me remind you of something that we've learned before is our belief system is built on our experiences and our experiences are usually generated by our choices and our choices are determined by our belief system. It's a, it's a cycle. Belief system, choices, experiences. You'll choose to do something and out of that choice, whatever it is, you'll experience it. Out of that experience, you'll create a belief system. And a lot of times, you'll, you'll create a belief system on something that maybe you will not do in the future. Mark Twain said that anybody or a cat that sits on a hot stove will not sit on a hot stove again. But he will not sit on a stove, period, again. So a lot of times, as believers, what we're doing is we're kind of stepping our foot out of the you know, proverbial boat walking on the water kind of by faith. And we begin to go, you know what? That ain't for me. Out of the experience of trying faith, but not working the faith in our life, we feel like it didn't work. Now, let, let me tell you, we live in a soup called our culture that we're around people that do not believe like we do. So we will continually allow them to influence our life until we say, no. I'm in the kingdom of God, not in the kingdom of this world. I might be in the world, but I'm not of this world. See, Gideon has a belief system that a lot of you and I would agree with him. 300 men cannot go against this great army. That's my belief system. I don't know if he'd been in war before and had an experience, but his choice at the moment was, I'm not going down there until he gets a picture. And God says, you can do it. Let me draw you a picture, Gideon. You're going to have to make a new choice to see a new experience, and boom, you're going to have a new belief system. That belief system is that I am your God and I can do anything. If you'll allow me to work in and through you. See, Gideon got a picture that didn't make sense at the moment, but at making a choice, his perspective changed. You know, everything's, everything changes when your perspective changes. He 
It says in verse 15 of chapter 7, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. Oh, thank you, God. Have you ever been in that place where you've seen something? Oh, God, thank you. He worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. He said, I can see it. I, 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 let's go. Now, let, me, let me say this. If the promise doesn't paint a picture, if, if the promise doesn't paint a picture in you, it will be next to impossible to talk you into having a new experience. Some of you are at a, at a blocking point in your life. And, and you want to go on. It, it might be that you're dealing with the sin. It might be that you need healing in your life. You might feel like you're at a, I don't know, whatever it is that you know you want to break through in that, in your marriage, in a relationship with a, a child, maybe, maybe whatever it might be, you, you're ready to go on. But until you get the promise and a picture of what God's going to do in your destiny, it's almost impossible for you to make a choice to have a new experience. To walk in faith and not by sight. But God, you, this is what... God has made us so visual. If I say black dog, all of you are picturing a black dog. If I say zebra, if I say polka dot bikini, don't think that, guys. We're, we're visual. We begin to see what the word is that's coming out. When he begins to say, I'm the victor in the dream that the guy had. I'm the mighty man rolling down the hill into the enemy camp. I, I see it. There's a principle in the word of God that gets exciting when this gets revelation in you. Now let me tell you, you this morning can hear it from a pastor and it's kind of secondhand revelation. But when you actually get this as a personal firsthand revelation, when you begin to say, Woo! I can just scroll right up the ladder. Why? Because I know God's... Here, here's the revelation. Take out your pen. If you can see it, you can have it. In the Bible. The Bible says that you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Well, that, that's not necessarily... You don't have a picture of God doing something great in your life. We always try to dumb it down or excuse that it won't work in our life. Because of your past experience, you're not willing to make a choice because of that belief system in your life. This morning, allow God to be God in your life. You say, Pastor, I know it's going to be hard. I know. Yes, but He's a way maker. He's a promise keeper. He's a, mir He's a miracle worker. If you can see yourself being free from that bondage of whatever it is. That you can be healed in Jesus' name. That you're an overcomer in Jesus' name. That you get the promise of God and you begin to see yourself as God sees you. As an overcomer. As a child. When you begin to say, I am the righteousness 
in Christ Jesus. The Bible says without a vision, the people do what? I love the quote, people will call you crazy. All it takes is a million dreams. You're living in a different world, a world you designed because you designed it based on the promises of God. Without a vision, another version says people cast off all restraint. Why are they casting off authority? Because they have no direction in their life. They go crazy because they say, I I can't see any purpose in what we're doing here. They have no vision. Some of you that are older remember a golfer named Jack Nicholson that would win tournament, golf tournament after golf tournament. And, you know, they always want the secret of what do you do that everybody else doesn't do. And he says, I actually can see the shot. I can I have a picture. I can see the shot landing at a certain location before I even swing it. My body then just gets in motion with that picture. And I thought, well, that sounds about like what believers need to do. We need to begin to see God working in our life before it actually happens and then get our physical body in line with that picture of what God can do. What are you seeing? You know, when I sometimes I still laugh when I think about this property that you're sitting on. You realize back in 1999 that if we were here, we'd be sitting on dirt. And the reason why is because there was no building here. We had relocated the church. We looked for property. And before we bought this property, I remember coming out in the the Tarrant County uh, kind of managed Golden Triangle. And it was one notch better than like a a cattle dirt road, you know, cattle. And they actually had stockpiled all along the front of this property, big, huge mounds of gravel. And they just, because they would, you know, do the blacktop uh, fixing and repairing. And so they just used it, this kind of out in front of the property. And I remember that there were weeds that were probably about four or five foot tall all through here. All, all, all this property that we own now. And, and I remember that God said, go on out there and walk it. Because again, I, I needed to get a picture of, I knew the hard, hard times that were coming to be able to afford this, to walk it out by faith, to see a building built, to see, well, to see all of you here this morning before you were here. And I remember, and I've said this story before, I climbed the top of those rock, those rock piles and I was sitting up there just praying and, and people were going by and, you know, it was a road where you had to really kind of get in, you know, you kind of wanted to play your radio because you were, you know, four-wheeling it through here. And I, I, I'd see him looking up going, what is that guy doing up there on that dirt pile? What I was doing is I was getting a picture. I remember coming and walking this property and there was weed so high that I could hardly see what's next. And I remember there was a tree right there in the middle, kind of out there in that field. And I remember coming into that and all the grass had laid down. Something had laid there. And the only thing that came to my mind was a lion was out here on this property. 
probably a cow, but I was ready for a lion. Cheetah. Black Mamba, whatever. What are you seeing? What is the picture of hope that God has given you? Because a lot of times, listen, in, in my pursuit of God and, and to being able to see things happen and take place that I'm believing for, sometimes I can get preoccupied with, ready, me. And if I'm not careful, I become, I, I can constantly become aware of my faults and my weaknesses. It, it's not humility. It's a subtle temptation to enter into a form of pride. Oh, well, I couldn't do any of that. I don't have enough money. I'm not tall enough. I'm not big enough. I don't do this fast enough. I don't do, I don't, I'm not. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we want to take that on to really cancel out the picture that God can have for us of accomplishing something that's bigger and better than we are. But we're walking by faith and seeing God be God in our life. That, that's why it's so important for worship. It's your body responding to the picture that you're seeing when you sing. So many are seeing nothing, therefore they're expecting nothing and believing for nothing in their life. Well, pastor, I, I just kind of let life happen to me. Yeah, and it's going to smack you right in the face, isn't it? Pastor, I, I can't sing real. If you can't sing a lick, that's why some of us, you know, it, it's a perfect balance back there in the sound booth. You don't appreciate it until you're the one back there. But let me just say, it's a balance between turning it up loud enough that people can't hear themselves sing, but turning it down so that your ears don't believe. You know, there's a balance there. So you're singing this song and all of a sudden the words begin to create a picture in your mind of God being a, 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 a way maker. And all of a sudden, but still, if you, if you hold back and you go, well, you know, he's a way maker, dream giver. Come on, man. Let God paint a picture of how amazing he is. Get alone with God. Get you a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee. Get a glass of tea. Maybe get a little snack because you're going to stay there a while. Well, Pastor, I just eat a salad. <laughs> eat a piece of pizza once in a while. Anyway, get alone with God and just begin to allow Him to speak into your life. I can do that. God, could you do that? I can do that, He says. Will you let me? Would you just begin? Would you just start? Well, let me run through this real quick because the dominant picture will always get your attention and your attention will get your focus. And whatever you're focused on, that's the direction that you're heading. Not good intentions, your direction. And when you get to the point where you say, you know what, I'm the blessed and favored of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But if you believe in Murphy's Law, you know, oh, Murphy's Law, you're just self-prophesying about your own self. It's going to happen. You're looking, longing, and expecting for Murphy to show up and smack you down again. 
Amen. Pastor John on that. The children of Israel, as I talked about going into the promised land, the spies go out and they come back with such big grapes that two guys got to carry them on a pole. We know that story, right? But all they can do is see the picture of the giants. Let me encourage you, if you're in that spot, you quit thinking about the giants and begin thinking of how good the grapes are going to taste on your back porch in that new land. I'm, I'm preaching myself happy here today. I'm telling you. Abraham, God, I don't have any children. He gives him a day picture and a night picture. The day picture is your descendants are going to be as great as the sand on the seashore. More than the camels in the enemy's camp, so to speak. You're going to have a lot of children. And then at night, he says, go outside and look at the stars. Because your descendants are going to be as great or greater if you can even count those. Get a picture. Abraham could get a picture and he says, come on, Sarah, come on, we're going to have a baby. Nine months later, here comes Isaac. But when you think about Peter, here he is, a fisherman, and his experiences have been very narrow, probably. This is what I do, this is what I get. But when Jesus shows up, he says, I want you to come with me. Before he asks him to follow him as a disciple, he has to change the whole picture thing that's going on in his mind. Now watch this. He gets in his boat. We know that he preaches. And then he says, can you cast out a little bit deeper and let down your nets? I've been fishing all night, but on your word I will. He goes out into the middle of the lake or whatever and lets down his net. And the Bible says he catches this great haul of fish. Boom! His belief system now has changed. Because he's been put in an experience to let it happen. On his own ability, his own picture that's playing in his mind before that is, I'm not going to catch anything in the middle of the day. I've been out all night in the cool of the night and they didn't, I didn't catch anything. But now Peter becomes a disciple fishing for men. I'll make you a fisher of man, Jesus says. What? As a God that's more than enough. From the beginning, he gets a picture that says, I can, God, I know that you can do anything if you can let me catch fish in the middle of the day. Sometimes you go into your children's room and clean your room. What do I have to do? Draw you a picture? Hopefully you've never said that to your children in that way. Jesus says, I give you the promise, but what do I have to do to convince you that I love you? I love you. Don't you get the picture? See, let me give you a kind of an insight of what I'm working on right now in John Miller's life. You can work on something else. You can even work on this if you want it. But Psalms 112 says this, and you can read all of Psalms 112. I prayed over my life. I asked Gwen to pray it over my life. In, in one part it says, life is good for the one who is generous and charitable. And then it goes on in another part it says, 
never stingy and always generous to those in need. I'm believing God to create wealth in the middle. Did he say create wealth? Yes. I want to be wealthy so that I can bless in every situation that I come in. Now, now stop and think about this. There, there's a lot of people that believe that if they're going through a need, the only way that they can get an answer financially is to tell people, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And everybody goes, well, nice to know that. Don't, don't look at that guy. He, 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 he needs money. But what if you were blessed so much that you were in the place that you could be generous on every occasion, not stingy, charitable? You go into a restaurant and you begin to buy young couples meals. Have we, come on, if you're over the about age of 40, you remember what it was when you were in your 15, or not 15, hopefully you weren't married at 15, but when you were in your early married life, huh? And you, you, I remember going and I would go to CC's Pizza because the kids ain't free. And they saw those four Millers coming in, four kids at home. No, they're going to eat it. That was Tuesday night. I, I think I would have I cried if there was an older couple would have said, we got yours tonight. But see, we live in a different culture. Get all you can. Save all you can and then sit on your can. You know, just don't give it away. You're going to need that. Get a picture. I want to be generous in every situation. I, I want to go on the promises no weapon formed against me will prosper. It's saying, I'm with you, therefore no one stands a chance. He that abides in my shadow, I will be his refuge. You are safe because I'm home base. Einstein wasn't the, the believer that you are, but he even came to grips with the fact that he said, imagination is greater than knowledge because knowledge is fact. If you can see it in your mind, your imagination can take you past facts. See, there's a lot of people that thought Einstein was crazy until he was coming up with things that were even not possible. Theories that were proven. There is no cure for your disease. There will be one. Because my God is able to do anything and everything in Jesus' name. The lady that has the issue of blood. I know the facts. The facts are I spent all my money, went to all the doctors, and nobody can heal me. But here's what I know. That if I, if I can get this picture of the the Jesus that's going around healing people. If I can get the picture, and the picture was, if I can just touch the hem of His garment. I can just see this little lady that wasn't even supposed to be out of the house because she was unclean. In their culture, she was illegal. But she's out into the marketplace just looking for the opportunity that the picture that had been taking place of walking by faith and touching the hem of his garment, and when it happened, 
Do you know that Jesus says that the doom and the power has left me who touched me? And he said, your faith has healed you. I remember when I was. We had paid off this property and then we were looking to build the buildings in the coffee shop. And I remember we had people that would mow the yard and I just felt like. God said, I want you to mow the church yard. I thought it was the devil at first. <laughs> you know how hot it gets in Texas. And so I'm I'm mowing the yard and and God said, I want you to mow your vision. This is back in 2014, 15. And we I was I would go down there and I'd mow and I'd say, God, one day you're going to be a coffee shop here. This this is going to be a place of entry for people in our community that will come and they won't even know, but they're going to be missing something in their life that when they walk in, they're going to go, Well, what's up with this? And it's happening. And I remember down there mowing it and mowing it and mowing it and mowing it. And every time I'd be listening to, to uh, faith-filled books like The Circle Maker. I don't know if you've ever read that, but by Mark Batterson. Amazing. I'd make circles out in the yard, you know, and I'm calling this God's kingdom. On Sunday morning, I, I pulled my truck up and I'd, I'd look at that field and say, God, that is going to be for your glory. I don't know. We don't have enough money. We don't. We're not. We're not rich enough. We don't have the work. I, I. I could say all that stuff, but until I got a picture of those buildings being there, it was almost impossible for me to take action. Whew. Let me tell you. I get. Let me just kind of begin wrapping this up. If this morning. I remember years ago, Gwen and I going by one of those big old jackpot lottery, you know, signs, $250 million. And of course, you know, you go, that'd be pretty nice. And, and, Flint, what would you do if you won 250 If we, now, now let me say this. I wouldn't buy the ticket. Let's say Gwen buys the ticket. Let's say Homer buys a ticket and gives it to me. No, I'm kidding. But if they called and said, my number's one, you know, what would you do? Yeah, that's what I'd do. Woo! You know, I'd be the Comanche. You know, I'd be, I'd be playing it. I'd show up. I'd pay my tithes. We'd build the new sanctuary. That, that's me. If they called and said you won, congratulations, it was legitimate. They had you had done something or been by something, you're the thousandth customer, and you won a trip to Hawaii. You and your wife. Let's go 14 days, okay? And you're like, wow! <laughs> Hallelujah! You, would, would it be hard to get excited? Okay, now, now watch this. 
every time that you come into this place, and not just this in this place, but every time that you get along with God, but let's say when you come in on Sunday mornings and you take your seat, and, and Lisa and the worship team comes out of this little room, you know, and they come up here, and the music starts beginning to play again. And you, you know that it's going to be good. Because why? You're looking and longing and expecting. You've got a picture in your mind that God, you're going to do something today. Why? Because you've been praying about it all week. You've been looking for it all week. You didn't just wake up this morning and go, Mildred, you think we ought to go to church? It's a little windy out. I don't know if I can go. No, no, you're looking and longing. You can't wait to get. Why? Because the, when the worship starts, all of a sudden the, the songs begin to paint a picture. Re realize this, that you have received a trip to heaven. Amen. Yeah. Huh? Let me, let me take a little further. The, the place we're going is with streets of gold. But there's no sickness or pain or crying. There's no mosquitoes. There's no 105 degree temperature. It's better than 250 million pieces of paper with dead presidents on it. Come on. So, so before we leave, I want to ask Lisa and the worship team to come back up and give you a chance to respond. Come on up. Come on up. And we're going to sing again. And in just a few seconds, you're going to stand. And then we're going to, we're going to sing. And then we'll do some announcements and close the service out. But here's what I, I'm encouraging you to do. Respond to what you heard today. That allow God through a song and through the Word of God to have a promise that's placed. I, I'm believing in healing. I, I'm standing with Brad on healing in his body. And Joe Forkwer and healing in his body. Who else would say, I need healing this morning? Raise your hand. Healing, 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 healing in your bodies this morning. By his stripes, we are healed. Are you ready? Are you expecting? Stand and let's allow God to paint a picture of his goodness in our lives this morning. Hallelujah.